Yeah, before we start the show, I, uh, we just want to send out a, a special uh, birthday wish to a friend of the show, Shooty HG from Los Angeles. It's his 30th birthday tomorrow. That's right. The 10th. Yep, and uh, Leah got a hold of us and let us know, and so we just want to say happy birthday, man. So happy birthday to you, Shooty HG, and here we go with Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts who want to charge you for accessing their website, we do ours free at freetalklive.com. Mark is out for the next uh, day or two. He is in, I think it's Vegas. Somewhere in Nevada for the what they call Freedom Fest out there. It's a fairly fairly big event, I suppose. Uh, attracts people like Penn Jillette, for instance. So I guess he's out there schmoozing with uh, the Liberty people I, who I might thought, have some money. I thought we had Freedom Fest here. Well, we did, <laughs> uh, but now it's Free Keen Fest, and so they've got their Freedom Fest, which is a an event that's been going on out there for a long time. So I don't know if he's going to call or if we're going to hear from him or if he's just going to show up on Saturday night. But he's out, and so Dale is in, and I think tomorrow night Julia will be joining us. So we're going to start things out here by going right to a special guest who is with us from... Are you in Hawaii right now, Bernard von Nothaus? Bernard, Bernard, did I have him on the right line here? Hang on one second here. Where did I put him? Bernard, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm right here. Okay, excellent. Where are you these days? Well, that's what I was, I was trying to say. That I'm calling from an undisclosed location. You know? Oh, really? What, what, why <laughs> no, all the cloak actually... and dagger stuff? <laughs> I'm just funny. Oh, okay. I'm calling. Uh, I'm talking to you from Florida right now. Well, I didn't know if you'd gone on the lam or something like that because uh, last I'd heard you'd been arrested. And of course, uh, our listeners who don't know Bernard von Nothaus, you're the the founder, the monetary architect behind the Liberty Dollar, which is an alternative, real silver-backed and uh, gold-backed, uh, value-backed currency. That has been around since 1998, so now celebrating uh, almost your 12th year coming up here shortly. Uh, it's been a that wonderful. It's been a wonderful success. In fact, you became uh, maybe a little too successful when the federal government sw- uh, swooped in back in 2007, I believe it was, in November of 2007, and raided your home office in Evansville, Indiana. Since then, uh, it's been nonstop legal ram- uh, wrangling between you and the feds. Uh, there are at least a couple of different lawsuits in play. Can you kind of bring our listeners up to speed who don't know who you are and don't have any of the history uh, briefly, and then we'll talk about what's happening now? Sure. I don't know where you want me to wade in, but yes, you're you're right on all your points there. Uh, Liberty Dollar dates back to October 1st, 1998. So, yeah, we've been around. We're coming up to our 12th anniversary. And uh, the fireworks really started when the U.S. Mint issued a warning saying that use, not possession, the distribution, or sales of the Liberty Dollar, but use of the Liberty Dollar in commerce was uh, illegal. They were referring to good old Title 18, Section 486, of uh, which there's only been four cases in its 155-year history. They had to really dig for that one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that, that actually happened on September the 13th, 2006. Hmm. So we're coming up to the anniversary. So that's been three years that we've been under attack by the federal boys. And um, yes, and then uh, we were raided, but more than just the office being raided, they actually raided the warehouse where they carted out uh, in excess of $4 million in gold and silver. And they took the bank account. That was about a quarter, over a quarter of a million dollars. And, hmm. 
It was basically a bad day. Uh, I yeah. don't know if anybody's had the pleasure of losing that much money in one day, but that's that's a bad day. But you managed um, to bounce back. Uh, the Liberty Dollar got a lot of attention after that, which is kind of the uh, the positive side effect, the silver lining, if you will, to having something like that happen. Obviously, your money hasn't been given back, but uh, there was a real explosion in news coverage uh, for you. I know that you'd, you'd made it onto a nationally syndicated program like the Glenn Beck Show, which was a pretty big splash, as I understand it, yep. for uh, for the exposure level that the Liberty Dollar has. And uh, again, ever since the, the first raid, uh, the first attack on you guys, it's been... Uh, pretty brisk business uh, for the Liberty Dollar. Is that right? Yes, and, and it was actually uh, pretty brisk after the uh, after the U.S. Mint posted their warning, too, Ian, because, uh, you know, we tried to get them to retract that warning, and then they didn't like to do that. So that's when I actually sued uh, Edmund C. Moy, who's the director of the U.S. Mint, and Paulson, Secretary of Treasury, and Gonzalez, who was then the dis- well before he was disgraced as the attorney general, so um, and they I guess they really didn't like that. So that's when they raided me. And then after the raid, yes, we got a lot of publicity. Uh, I ended up on the front page of the Washington Post among you know national TV and all that sort of stuff. That was good. Uh, but you know things have calmed down now, and they finally uh, um, you know came out with their. Uh, bill of indictment from the grand jury that was a couple months ago now Mm -hmm. and uh so then i got wind that they were going to arrest me so i called and yes sure enough they were going to arrest me but i offered to turn myself in you know it's rather gentlemanly in this white crime business (laughs) so uh, i went down and i turned myself in and uh just had my first appearance up in uh charlotte north carolina matter of fact so they have arrested you on what charges Actually, there's four different charges, uh, two of them relating to counterfeit, uh, one of them for fraud, and the other one is conspiracy. Wow. That sounds like some serious uh, federal time here. What are we looking at as far as a maximum penalty? Uh, 20 years if they do it concurrently. Uh, Of course, if they string it out, they could be adding up uh, 20 and 35 45 years if they if they did uh, that you know if they spread that out so they're going to try to allege that you engaged in fraud and counterfeiting uh, when in fact the Liberty dollar has never in uh, the history that I've been involved in it and I've been involved for a few years now uh, has never to my understanding to my knowledge uh, marketed itself as anything that was uh, tr- attempting to be uh, like the U.S. dollar or the Federal Reserve notes or anything that comes out of the the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve and its its mints. Uh, you guys have always been marketing yourselves as an alternative, as a real value-backed option that uh, the federal government, they don't have that in their common currency. The fiat currency, the, the paper currency, seems more like fraud to me. Yes, absolutely. And conspiracy than the Liberty Dollar. Well, you, you know, there's there's certainly a lot to be said with what you're talking about, guys. Uh, uh, you don't have to scratch the surface too deep to find, you know, the conspiracy behind the Federal Reserve and, you know, the meeting down on Jekyll Island. And anybody who has not read Ed Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, they're, they're sorry, remissed for having read that jewel. Um, it's really quite a good read, and even at 600 pages, it's uh, it's it's a real it's a really good book. Uh, but the bottom line here, guys, is, is that uh, uh, we've not only not committed fraud, but we've done everything 
to tell people that we are not government money. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Liberty that, Dollar usually marketing. Right. It usually okay. has uh, when you get when you're handed a silver Liberty, which is a, a one ounce silver piece. As I recall, it has a phone number and a website on it, or one or the other at the very least, right? Yeah, it did for quite a long time. We've actually dropped that recently because uh, we've changed the design. I mean, if you go back and you look at the Liberty Dollar from 1998 to present, you see actually quite a bit of change, uh, even the verbiage. I mean, in the 11, 12 years ago, we were not calling it Liberty Dollar. I mean, when we when we first launched the currency, we didn't have that very nice, succinct name, and it went through a variety of different names. But one thing that has not changed, and that is the marketing, and that is marketing that it is not uh, legal tender, it is not government money. We've said that continuously. That's a sales point. I mean, that's a that's a reason to yeah. use the Liberty Dollar. The prime reason. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I know this will probably shock you, both of you guys, and then will probably shock a good many of your, of your listeners out there, but there are some people that are not happy with the government or with their money. Yeah. Now, I, I just don't understand that thought, you know, because I like kissing ass myself, but uh, there are some people that don't like the government and their money, and, and so they, they do cotton up to something that holds its value, and, of course, the Liberty Dollar is the reigning example of that. So you guys, it's my understanding, you've been arrested, and it wasn't just you. There were, there was a, there's more tragedy here. A handful of your office staff, three other people, as I understand it, have also been arrested. Can we talk a little bit about them? Sure, absolutely. Actually, there's been a total of four people arrested. Uh, myself, we've already talked about me, and, of course, uh, Kevin Ennis has been arrested. And Kevin has... Uh, 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 has been really a, a real key player in the Liberty Dollar organization, and, and he's the person in North Carolina, and it's his success that has really brought uh, the problem in North Carolina, which is where the trial is going to be. Let's talk and about Kevin talk here about in a moment. Uh, Bernard, if you'll hang on, we're going to bring you back. More Free Talk Live on the way. Question for Bernard von Nothaus, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line at 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, a webcam as well, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. Also want to invite you to... Dale's website, anarchyinyourhead.com. Can you uh, pitch your website real quick, Dale? Uh, What's Anarchy it all in Your about? Head is a liberty-themed web comic, and uh, there's all kinds of different characters, and it's um, you know it's not always a liberty theme, but but that's usually the case. It's great stuff. Uh, there's two two new comics every single week. Wednesdays and Fridays are your publishing dates. And sometimes they come along with little essays or uh, thoughts, which uh, are very insightful and worth a read. So head over to anarchyinyourhead.com. And what if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we get back to Bernard von Nothaus, he is the monetary architect and the founder behind the Liberty Dollar, an alternative currency that has been around for a number of years now, since 1998, and uh, kept gaining more and more success in the marketplace and, of course, once you are uh, successful uh, enough, the 
the government will take notice of you and attempt to extract uh, your wealth from you. And in your case, uh, Bernard, they just came right in and stole your wealth from you. They stole, in fact, not just your wealth, but also ours as well. Those of us who hold the Liberty Dollar Certificates, uh, which were worth uh, which basically uh, entitled the holder to a certain amount of silver in a vault somewhere. They came in, stole all that silver and that gold and the platinum from the vault, and so now those certificates, you'd think they're worth less, uh, but actually turns out that the federal government, by coming in and raiding the Liberty Dollar, kind of turned the Liberty Dollar into a bit of a collector's item, which is an interesting unintended consequence. Well, let me just comment about a couple of those things, Ian. Um, actually, I take objection to your use of the word steal, because the metal hasn't been stolen yet. It has been confiscated, okay? Okay. If they, if they don't return the metal, well, then that would be theft because they uh, raided me, they raided uh, Liberty Dollar. Uh, your name was not on the search warrant. So that would mean that they would be taking property without due justification, without due uh, value, uh, for your property, and I seriously doubt that will happen. Now, it it may take five years. Uh, you know, big, dumb, and slow move slowly, so it's it's hard to tell. Uh, yeah, but right Bernard, now, are they going to pay interest? Take. Are they going to pay interest if it takes no. them five years? So no, I mean that is no. stealing because that was our value no. that was sitting in that uh, that vault. They've now taken I it am... out of our hands. If they give it back later on, it's still stealing. They just no. got caught at no. it. I'm I'm sorry, you know. Uh, if you look at what stealing is, you know, theft is in Black's Law, a legal uh, dictionary or whatever, it is not stealing. If they have not stolen it, they have confiscated it. I, I don't I don't uh, go by legal definitions, uh, so I, I understand where you're coming from. Let's talk about Kevin uh, Kevin Innes, uh, the guy who right. is actually still in jail. They had arrested yeah. you uh, and a couple other of your office staff and this uh, Kevin gentleman. Uh, they let the three of you out, but they kept him. What's the story there? Well, as it turns out, uh, Kevin is a Canadian. And uh, I, I knew he was Canadian. I mean, I didn't know it for a good number of years. But, uh, you know, recently I found out that he was Canadian. And what I did not know was is that his his uh, visa had expired. And so Kevin is in the country illegally. So uh, the problem there is is that he has an immigration issue, and he has a, he, he's considered a flight risk because, guess what, he'd just like to – get out of the country, maybe go back to Canada instead of going to federal prison. Sure. Um, so uh, they have, uh, in their own way, they have a right to detain Kevin because he is a flight risk, according to their criteria. I mean, quite frankly, Kevin was the number two guy. He was out there flaming about Liberty Dollar, and I would never have encouraged Kevin to be so vocal and so active if I had known that he was in the country illegally, that was just not something that I would recommend anybody to do. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so he's still in jail. Um, the manager who's been at the office uh, since the raid, actually, uh, Rochelle, uh, she was arrested also and released on her OR. Mm-hmm. And the former manager of the office, who has not been involved with Liberty Dollar since the raid, uh, was also arrested. So there's, there's didn't one of those two, two, two gals. Didn't one of those two ladies uh, lose their job as a result of the arrest? Yes, and it's very unfortunate. Uh, they sent in three big goons. 
uh, to arrest Sarah at her office, and of course, uh, their, her boss, uh, even though she is not guilty until proven in, innocent. <laughs> or the other way around. Yeah. As a Freudian slip there. Uh, <laughs> any case, uh, he fired her, and so oh. now Sarah is uh, is uh, is unemployed. It's so sad yeah. when uh, the rest of the uh, the sheeple are so frightened of the federal government and uh, so indoctrinated in their belief that if anybody is arrested, that that must mean they're a criminal and that that must mean they're bad, and so uh, they should just uh, shove it under the rug and uh, just not have to deal with it uh, instead of standing behind the people that uh, have been good to them. I, I presume she was good at her job uh, and that this wasn't just yeah. an excuse to uh, to let her go and, and just not standing behind people. is just so so cowardly and, and sad. Uh, so yeah. now are the other folks also being charged with similar charges as you are, Bernard, or, or is that different? For them? Actually, uh, Kevin and I have all four charges and Sarah and Rochelle have Conspiracy and fraud, I believe, are the two charges uh, that they're charged with. When uh, is all this coming to a head? Is there a trial date set? Well, uh, uh, August the 4th is our arraignment, uh, finally. And then um, they will set a trial. Actually, I think Kevin's trial is set for something like September the 7th. But... Uh, that uh, they're going to try all four of us at the same time because that's that's their their idea of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got our federal defenders uh, this week, and so um, I would imagine that we'll probably take better part of six months to uh, to get our case together because the government's been working on their case for two years. Mm-hmm. So obviously. You know, we need to have some time to put our case together. How can people help so, you with this, uh, Bernard? Is there a, a website they can visit that would make it easy for them to, to maybe send a donation along uh, to help with the, the legal fund? Uh, to Well, we're barred from taking donations, but they can certainly order some Liberty Dollars. Okay, know, so that would good help. for them and good for us. And the know? website, LibertyDollar.org? What's that? LibertyDollar.org, is that still the website? That's still the website. Okay, excellent. So people can go there, and the best way to help out with uh, getting this legal case moving forward and, and help get these folks, uh, get the charges cleared and get the get people their money back and get the Liberty Dollar back on the road is to go and actually order Liberty Dollars. So you're still fulfilling orders and all that, even under all of this stress. It's amazing. Uh, well, we have, uh, we have a few issues that we're trying to resolve right now, so uh, and they haven't been resolved yet, so... Um, we don't know exactly how they're going to be resolved. Uh, we were in court on Monday, and our attorneys are trying to resolve those now, and, and we're going to see where we stand. But you're still uh, shipping Liberty next, Dollars uh, out, right? So if somebody orders, they'll be able to get their, their purchase. Let's come back uh, with more with uh, Bernard von Nothouse here in moments. Free Talk Live. They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating in deep deficits. One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at Seasteading. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and we give them to you free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, The features, by the way, include the bulletin board system with over... 450,000 posts for you to surf around through. There's a lot to talk about there at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. We get back to our special guest here on the line, Bernard von Nothaus, the founder monetary architect behind the Liberty Dollar and a very popular alternative currency. Been available in the marketplace since 1998. Became uh, pretty popular to the point where the federal government decided to come in and, as you would say, Bernard, confiscate, but I would say steal. We'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Uh, they took the money. I that- think that the government likes to redefine words for their own uh, right. serve themselves. <laughs> Not stealing when uh, when we do it, but I bet if I went over and took your car tonight uh, without asking you permission, Dale, uh, you wouldn't really accept me claiming I just confiscated it. There's a special status if you're a government versus if you're a serf. If right. you steal it's, as a serf, it's stealing. it's stealing. If you steal as the government, it's confiscating. So he's with us uh, to talk about how not only did they uh, take the, the money behind the Liberty Dollar, uh, and uh, there's a lawsuit involving that, they also took away your freedom, uh, Bernard, as they uh, demanded that you turn or you turned yourself in to be arrested. You'd heard they were going to arrest you. They also uh, arrested three of your associates, one of whom is a Canadian originally, and he was apparently in the country so-called illegally, so they're still holding him in. In captivity. Uh, they have imprisoned him until who knows when, uh, probably until the trial, presumably, which is maybe going to be as much as six months down the road as you prepare for uh, t- attempting to uh, to uh, to get to deal with this, um, which is it's just an awful situation. What I was asking you in a, mo- a moment ago is how people can help out. You said that while you can't accept donations, you can take orders for Liberty Dollars. And we just wrapped things up in the last segment. I'd asked uh, if it's if you guys are still moving forward with with filling orders. Uh, and I guess uh, wanted I guess want to get a, a clear as to whether or not that's happening right now for your clients. We're on hold right now. Okay. So uh, so if somebody is to place an order, some of that money will go toward the legal fund possibly, and the rest of it will be made. The order will be made good at some point into the future. Yep, and it, you know we we still got to pay for our airfare when we go to court, and we got to stay overnight. You know, there's still costs that we're going to have to bear uh, throughout this whole process here. So, so if you can't give donations, is there anything else you can give besides just buying a product? Is there a way to give a gift to the Liberty Dollar Legal Fund or something like that? I mean, is there anything else? Any other opportunities nope. for people to help you out? No, we're expressly barred from. Uh, having a, a legal defense fund. What, is that uh, typical with a federal case, or what? I, I guess I don't know much well, about the law. That so. kind of blows my mind. Yeah, well, That's you know, uh, we're we're in the process of learning about it ourselves, gentlemen. I guess. Know? Well, uh, I don't know where else to go with this, uh, Bernard. What else do you have to share with our listeners? Anything else they need to know? Uh, anything else they can do to help out? Uh, well, you know. Um, they uh, <laughs> they should have taken action before this, you know. Um, uh, you know, we were talking about the the collector parts, and you said that you know that it's been become a bit of a collector item. I would push that way past that. Um, the second one we ever issued, which was in 1999, the last one that sold on eBay. Now this was one ounce of silver. 
uh, today going for around $13 an ounce or so. One ounce of silver that we issued 10 years ago, you know what the highest price that ever went for on eBay? Would I, you guys make a guess on that? I think I saw you mention it a few thousand bucks, right? No, 1000 1000 Not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby for an uh, ounce of silver. For, yeah, for a $13, $13 ounce of silver spot. <laughs> well, no, we sold it for $6.50. Back years, then. 10 years yeah, ago. yeah, I'm just then. saying the spot value now, that's uh, quite a bit higher. <laughs> that's an exponential uh, uh, addition on the spot. <laughs> okay, how about this, Bernard? How can people go and get signed up to get your newsletter? That's a real good way to, at the very least, keep in the loop with what's happening. Uh, clearly, we'll, we'll do our best to talk about it here, but if they want to get the word from you, uh, what's the best way to go and do that? Well, the best thing is just go to libertydollar.org, um, and um, uh, there's a place up at the top right-hand side that says, you know, the newsletter. Just click on it, put in your email address, and you must respond to an automatic response. If you don't respond, then you don't get on the newsletter. So that bars people from adding other people to the newsletter when they didn't really sign up to be on the newsletter. So uh, just Excellent. go, libertydollar.org, sign up, uh, and uh, we do newsletters every month, and uh, we do also alerts throughout throughout the month uh, if there's something that happens that needs immediate attention. So, uh, you know, we've been we've been doing that, and uh, it's continued to be uh, quite successful. And I imagine that we have a bright future in front of us. I, I anticipate winning the case and getting everybody's property back. Your name was not on the certificates. I certainly appreciate everything you're doing for freedom, Bernard. Uh, you're you're a really courageous guy to put your neck on the line uh, to try to introduce an alternative currency that could really compete, uh, could really uh, protect people from inflation. Because holding gold and silver, that's one of the things that happens. As as the United States government is inflating its currency, your gold and silver will uh, will protect you from uh, from what they're doing to the Federal Reserve note. Uh, so the the Liberty Dollar is a brilliant concept, and the federal government knows that it's a threat. Uh, they know that a real value-backed alternative currency is a threat to their monopoly, and that's why they went after you, uh, and so thank you I, so much. I, dis I disagree with the use of the word threat, to be honest with you, because, you know, it, I think it would be uh, delusions of grandeur to think that one guy from Hawaii uh, that thought up a, a, a concept like the Liberty Dollar could be an actual threat to the U.S. government. I mean, you know, they have nuclear bombs, they tap our phone, I'm sure they're listening to you. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that these guys take any of us seriously. Uh, I don't think that they consider us to be a threat whatsoever at all. Uh, but there's somebody that didn't like Liberty Dollar and turned the heat up on us, and this gives us really the opportunity to vindicate and validate the Liberty Dollar, and that's what my mission is right now. I hope so, uh, and and I, I look forward to continuing to talk to you as this case uh, develops. Bernard, always nice uh, speaking with you, and thanks for your time tonight on Free Talk Live. You're welcome. Thank thanks you, sir. Talk, Good guys. luck out there. Good night. LibertyDollar.org. Uh, it sounds like they're not filling orders for some reason right now. I'm not sure what that is, uh, but if you want to help out, that would be a way to do it. At the very least, you might want to sign up for their newsletter to really keep in the loop with what's going on, because this guy is... He's out there, I mean, virtually all alone. He's got a handful of people that were arrested with him, and it's a, it's a, I think the, the Liberty Dollar, while it's not the perfect alternative currency, it is an alternative. It's probably the most popular uh, alternative currency out there in America today. I can't think of any others. It's introducing an idea, and I think it's the idea. It's not the Liberty Dollar itself, and or or, Leonard, or um, Von Nothaus, who's 
who's the threat. Mm-hmm. What is a threat is the idea right. and, and the illusions that are being shattered in the process. I mean, when people are thinking about alternative currencies, and what he's doing is, is legal by any reasonable notion, and, and uh, even by the laws that I don't necessarily agree with, uh, I, I usually don't agree with them, in fact, but even by their, their laws, uh, the, um, even, if though, even by those laws, it's, it's very reasonable. And, but I think the ideas that he's introducing and making people thinking about the, think about the American currency and things like that, that's what's that's a threat. That's the threat to the state. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's going to keep going. See, he was just like the first like, well-known currency and then became well-known. What's going to happen, I think, is other people are going to get ideas from that. And it's, and it's a meme. It's that meme that is the threat. If he wins... Uh, and I know uh, he would say when he wins, I, I, I wish I could share his optimism, but if mm-hmm. he wins, uh, then that'll, that will be great. It will be vindicated. The Liberty Dollar model, the business model will be vindicated, and that means that other people might have, at that point, might find the courage to start a, an alternative competing currency. Because one of the things, and, and Bernard has said in the past when we've interviewed him, that he welcomes competition. He, he does want to see more. I'm sure he likes being the really only viable uh, alternative currency in the marketplace right now. But he does welcome the idea of yeah. somebody coming in and competing with him, and I think it's much needed. But I, I can understand why an entrepreneur would say, well, I'm well, not really interested in jumping into this market at this time because uh, it's kind of dangerous with the feds running around s- stealing uh, people's property. You know, I think that I, – I, I understand that too, and I understand um, Bernard being – you know, very actually tentative. hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music bed is not here, but I know we are going to break in moments. Back in a moment. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll free 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Tonight it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that. By shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Also, before we move on, I want to welcome our newest Internet affiliate, WSYR, in Syracuse, New York. It's a clear channel station. I had mentioned them recently, but they are now officially on with us. They are taking Free Talk Live and playing it back during the overnight shift. So Free Talk Live is now on the air seven days a week on WSYR's Internet feed. So we're not yet on the radio in Syracuse, but I imagine that will be coming soon. So they're only taking us for their Internet feed, which, you know, whatever it takes to get a foot in the door, we'll do it here on Free Talk Live. I think Live. it sounds promising. I yeah. mean, that sounds promising. Yeah, it's good, man. I mean, somebody's listening to that. so And that should be an idea for other radio stations out there that are thinking, oh, exactly. we can only do this live. You know, you could do a replay at a time when you don't have something else and, we're, and we're actually, work with Ian we're actually, on that. We're actually saving them money because the show that they put on the radio at that time, Coast to Coast, which is a very popular overnight show, you, may, you might have heard of it. Uh, it involves usually a bunch of kooks and uh, ghost people and conspiracy people calling in and just blathering on about whatever, who knows what. Uh, and it used to be held uh, hosted by Art Bell. It's one of the longest running shows in in radio. I think I've heard it. Yeah, and it didn't entertain me, but that's it's, just me. It's a weird show, um, but it's it's definitely a good show for an overnight. But they charge the stations money to put that show on their internet feed. So there's some sort of rights thing with the commercials and having to pay commercial actors money if their commercials run on the internet. Some kind of nonsense that I don't even pay attention to. Uh, so look, if you're going to advertise on Free Talk Live, we're going to run your damn commercials on the internet. You know, why wouldn't you want your commercials to run? It's very strange. 
but it's one of those union things, right? Where the the, the actors want to get paid. Yeah, royalties. don't try to make sense out of that. <laughs> it's it's confusing to me. If I'm paying you to cut to cut a commercial for me, like Dale, if I decided I wanted to pay you to to uh, to do a, a thirty second commercial after the show, you'd be paid for that work, and that'd be it. Like you sat on that Seems microphone. Seems fine to me. Right. So that's how we do business here. But apparently uh, the unions or I've whatever. I've heard of that do though. But that for TV commercials as well and things like that, that there's some union rule. Yeah. That you have to pay them every time it's aired. It's crazy. Anywhere. It's some crazy. Some kind of some kind of a. I forget what they call that fee. There's a certain name yeah. for that fee. Uh, it's like a spiff or uh, something like. Yeah, you're right. There is uh, there is a name for it, but or, or residual income. I or think residual that's residual revenue. Yeah. Well, so they so they charge to the station to um, basically to uh, to air that show, and so we're saving the station money by replacing that on their internet feed with Free Talk Live. So great marketing. Cool. Thank you to uh, WSYR and uh, the program director Jason First over there. All right, so if you guys are talking to your local talk stations and maybe suggesting Free Talk Live to them, that might be a, an angle to take. Possibly. We go to your calls about what you want. It's Brian in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, listening to Brenda Brown Nothouse talking while I was uh, waiting to chat with you guys. Thanks for your and patience. I, I, no, no problem. I wanted to talk about a bankruptcy horror story, but before I get to that, I, I wanted to point out that I really do like the, the business model of the Liberty Dollar. They're trying to be a, a, a viable currency that is you know, accepted widely, uh, you know, all over the place. Um, uh, uh, you know, they, they they have set their sights big because you know it, it, it takes a lot of of uh, you know basis behind that to to create this big thing. But you know what I'm seeing here, and especially in, in New Hampshire here, is that we don't need that big thing. The big thing would be good. It'd be nice if there was a a way that I could you know use my silver or precious metals, you know, here and buy something in, you know, North Carolina or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I was sitting here waiting on hold, I actually negotiated a, uh, a deal uh, for uh, a certain amount of goods, in this case, honey, uh, for <laughs> silver, while I was waiting on hold nice. uh, with a local person. Right, <laughs> That's correct. That would be me. <laughs> I am going and, to know, engage it, it, in a it, trade of one item for another, and that's as simple as it is. Right. And so, you know, he thought the price was too high. I lowered the price, or I increased the, the amount of goods I gave him for the price. And we did that. There was no central, you know, thing. There was no liberty dollar. There was no consensus that everybody thinks, you know, this is a good thing to do. They all thought it was a good thing. I thought it was a good thing. We both made a deal locally. And I don't, I don't care if he gives me a liberty dollar or an eagle heart, you know, a one-ounce uh, piece of bullion or whatever. You know, um, mm-hmm. I trust Dale, so I'm not going to assay it. You know, I'm not going to look at it with the, the, the chemicals. You'll find out to see what kind of percentage silver it is. Right. But I, I, I might do that if I need to. You know, it just adds a little complexity. But we just made a deal very locally without this big, huge thing that requires consensus from everybody. You know, it seems to me, too, Brian, that uh, silver would be a whole lot harder to counterfeit than the paper money because how many people like just throw 20s around and don't give them a second glance mm-hmm. i mean it, I, it would be so easy i mean much easier i think than you know silver is actually you know 
even if you know everyone's i've heard people come worry about oh silver might be people might try to do something uh, make a fake silver coin or something they might oh really <laughs> like they won't make a fake 20 dollar bill are you kidding well yeah I mean, <laughs> and then they, they have they have this stupid thing it's the stupidest thing in the world uh, when, when you pay the 20 dollar bill they take it when you pay the 100 dollar bill they've got this little pen you know the, yeah. the clerk has this pen that they mark it oh, i've seen them mark that, 20s all that does is check for cornstarch or starch or something it, yes exactly it does nothing every counterfeiter knows that that's nothing someone, it, it's just <laughs> It's security theater. If someone wanted to have a fun prank, well, I don't know if it'd be fun. It'd probably be, it'd probably get you in a lot of trouble. But if you wanted to do a prank, take some, uh, take some real money and spray it with uh, starch like you do on clothes before you iron them, and uh, it'll be forever counterfeit for as far as they can tell. Wow. Uh, they'll have to come check it out, and there'll be a big rigmarole of them figuring out, oh, it's actually real money. But that's all it is. So, it's a starch test. So what happened, Brian? You were calling for a different reason, right? Yeah, I, I wanted to call about a bankruptcy story. Um, a, a few years ago, I was working for a company. Uh, I'm a you know a independent consultant, mm-hmm. and um, or I, I was at the time. And uh, I was working for this company, and you know, uh, doing a lot of good billing. They were having some issues. They were in the in the finance business, the auto finance, and there was a whole thing about uh, the federal uh, government all of a sudden cracking down on. Uh, credit unions, that's a different issue. <laughs> but what I want to talk now is about, about bankruptcy. What happened was this company uh, went bankrupt while I was working there, and they owed me money. So I found out, I, I got a quick uh, mm. uh, lesson in the laws of bankruptcy about two years later. So what happened was I was billing them, and I was getting paid, and uh, everything was fine. All of a sudden, they said, oh, you know, we just filed for bankruptcy, and we're closing the doors. So I'm out. They still owe me 20000 bucks. Jeez. But I thought, you know, I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to see this. I just wrote it off. Yeah. So two years goes by, almost two years, like a week before two years goes by, and I get a, a, a little letter in the mail saying, oh, you owe us $90,000. What? You owe them? I owe the... Uh, I, this is where I got the quick crash course in, in, in what bankruptcy laws do. This is a federal bankruptcy. I, I, I get this letter saying, you know, it's $90,000 because, uh, and, you know, I, I sent that to my lawyer. I said, what the hell is going on here? I don't know anything. They owe me $20,000. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was that once a company goes bankrupt, the bankruptcy trustee, the person who is, is uh, uh, appointed by the, by the federal bankruptcy judge, can go back, I think it's 60 days, and question every single payment that this company has made in the last 60 days. So in the last 60 days, they had paid me $90,000. Okay. And so that $90,000, which I earned and I invoiced, and they've been paying me all along, all of a sudden, that now becomes part of the, uh, they call it a preferred payment, because I, they may or may not have been paying everybody, you know, what they were due, but they were paying me because, you know, I I, I was, you know, maintaining their systems. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want me to go away. They kept paying me. Well, that became a preferred payment, and because of that, uh, they can get that back two years later. That's insane. So wait, it's not the company that's getting it back. It's whoever it is that uh, the creditor the creditors are. It's the trustee. It's a lawyer, okay, a, a legal firm who has been entrusted by the federal bankruptcy judge in Denver to collect all the, all the money that they're due and then disperse it out for pennies on the dollar to anybody claiming it. Oh, and by the way, the lawyer takes 70%. 
<laughs> or 30%. Who, who knows what it is? Who cares what, what it is? What is it that you can do here, Brian? I mean, if they are telling you that uh, you, you've you been paid $90,000 for your services rendered, now they're saying that you owe them that money back, even though you did your job and you got paid for it. They're essentially retroactively saying that they are not responsible for the money they've already paid you, and so you have to give it back to them because of their bankruptcy. And, and, yes, and get in line with all of the other creditors. So give me the $90,000 back. Get in line so we can dole, dole it out to you at, you know, five cents on the dollar or whatever else they give to all the other creditors. I, I'm i really curious as to how you're going to handle this. Do you mind hanging on to explain? Yeah, sure. All right. We're on the way here with uh, Brian in New Hampshire, and we'll talk to you about whatever's on your mind. What a shock to the system. Hey, I don't have your $90,000. You paid. I'm done with It's not here anymore. It's gone, man. Free Talk Live, Hour 2, coming up. You bring out whatever you want. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It's 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We were going to talk uh, more with Brian, who was on the line, but he dropped off mysteriously just before we started uh, the hour here. So maybe he'll call back and tell us more about the insanity that sounds like uh, this bankruptcy law stuff is. We'll get back into that here uh, in a moment. This might be him, in fact. Uh, you're on the air. Ampline unscreened. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Is this, hey, is this Brian? Yeah, my battery went dead just as you came on. All right, you're back. So you were telling us a few moments ago that there's a company that you were a contractor for that had paid you and they had owed you $20,000 when they went into bankruptcy. All of a sudden, two years later, you get a letter from the um, from the trustee that's handling the bankruptcy saying that you now owe $90,000. Because apparently the last time they paid you, they paid you ninety thousand dollars for your consulting that uh, that that your contracting that you did with them, and so apparently because that was one of the last payments that they made before they went bankrupt, that's now been called into question, and for some reason you owe that to the trust or to the bankruptcy proceedings. Yeah, yeah, the the, the way their laws work, and you know the the, the bankruptcy court was not a. Um, was not a party in the contract that I had with this company. This company said, I'll pay you $10,000 a week, uh, you know, payable in three weeks or, you know, whatever, whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. And uh, fine, that's good. So I, I do the work, uh, I give them an invoice, and they pay me, and I get the money. The next week I do the work, get the invoice, and I get the money. 
then they, they filed for bankruptcy, and, uh, you know, like I said, I had $20,000 that they still owed me. Uh, and at, at the point of filing bankruptcy, you know, all their assets are frozen. The bankruptcy court comes in there and says, you can't do anything. You know, we got to check it out. We got to kind of, you know, see what's going on. So I'm thinking, eh, you know, whatever. I, I'm not going to get anything at all out of this last 20000 I'm not even going to file, you know, for a, for a claim. You know, it's just over. And I went on and, you know, did other projects. And you sure. probably think, that sucks. I'm not going to get the $20,000, but, you know, what can you oh, do? well. Yeah. But yeah. it didn't. It didn't suck near as bad as uh, it actually sucked way worse than you expected. Apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, for two years, I'm you know minding my own business. You know, I have other clients, other projects, and and things are going along really well. You know, in that time, I moved to New Hampshire. Uh, you know, things are, are are going great. And then I get this letter in the mail from the uh, Denver, you know, district or federal, or whatever. I don't know what the name of these courts are. Uh, bankruptcy court. And I opened up. It says, Oh yeah, we uh, we claim ninety thousand dollars. You know, uh, send it here. Uh, thank you very much. You know, so send a check. Uh, you know, we need this check by X date. Or um, else what? Or, or else. Uh, they didn't have to say or else. You know, the, the federal bankruptcy court said you owe this money. You know, the, the, the IRS, when they send you a bill, they say, you know, you owe us this money. They don't say the or else. You're supposed to just know that. I so guess. will they just come into your bank account and snatch it? I mean, what if you don't have $90,000? Get your money out of the banks. Yeah, at that point, I call my lawyer, like you always have to do when you deal with this crap. And I say, what is this? He says, oh, yeah, you received a uh, preferential payment. I said, what preferential payment? Well, you know, uh, not everybody got paid in the last, you know, 60 days, but you did. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not my fault. No. (laughs) Well, and and are are they even implying, are they even claiming that there was some kind of filing done before you were paid that you should have been aware of or... Oh, Anything no, like not, that? No, this was like filed after you had already collected the money, right? Two years. Yeah. I mean, was, the, the bankruptcy was was filed, you know, and and at that point, bankruptcy filed. We're not going to pay anybody. I said later, you know, see you later. And at that point, they owe me twenty, and yeah, whatever. So what are you going to so, do? Well, it, it, it's not what I'm going to do. It's what I have done. And in fact, this has been going on for six months. I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, talked to anybody about this because we were in negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we just uh, uh, settled a couple days ago, and I sent a check. We ended up settling for ten thousand dollars. Kid grief. That I, is I, I wanted to pay him a thousand dollars now. You're twenty thousand short, and for the next nine hundred months. They owed you twenty thousand, and you end up paying them ten thousand. That's yeah. that is bass awkward. You're doing how much thousand now, and then how much over? Well, I, I, I said okay, I'll pay you, I'll pay you a thousand now, and I'll pay you ten dollars a month for the next nine hundred months. Well, they didn't like that. You know, they were <laughs> they were insulted. But but the thing is, I I'm I'm not paying back this company. I'm paying back the the, the so-called trustee, which is a lawyer that has been. Um, They're sour because they didn't get money that they wanted and they feel like they sh- they just going wherever they can to get it it seems like well we're just going to go get some from you because you got some money we'll go to we'll go raid all their clients the lawyer's going to get all this who knows how much is going to go to the other debtors that they didn't pay right i mean they knew that if they didn't pay me you know on week two uh, I, i'd be out of there but they kept you know they kept doing this and and so you know they kept paying me, i kept going as soon as they stopped paying me you know i, I went on to something else Man, that is awful. I'm sorry to hear about that, Brian. And I'm, at least it's not not at least it didn't end up being ninety thousand dollars. It was ten thousand. But who knows how much you had to pay your lawyer to uh, um, do all that wrangling? Six, six thousand. Yeah, so another six. So you know, I mean, 
Uh, on, on the plus side, I, I, I paid sixteen thousand instead of ninety. But on the minus side, why do I owe anything? They owe me. So it, it's just well, and, and that is nuts. Would they have been able to put possible? Would they have been the, able to put a lien on your house or something like that? Like, what if you just ignored the the notice, <laughs> just laughed at it, threw it away in the trash? You know, oh, it was it was a corporation. I mean, it wasn't me. It was it was my corporation. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is you know, you you guys talk about, and I've always been told that when you have a corporation, it shields you, it protects you against uh, you know things like this. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I could just say you can have a corporation if you want. I'll start another corporation. Yeah. But no, it doesn't work that way on the federal level. They have this so-called uh, veil of they lift the veil of corporate protection or something like that. If the government wants to do it, they can say, "Okay, Brian, you were in control of this. You were in you know, majority control of this of this corporation. Therefore, everything this corporation does, which is supposed to be protected by these corporate laws that we put in place, mm-hmm. they go away, and we can go directly after you." Wow. Yeah. So, so, so all the stuff that they promise you with this corporate protection is BS. There, 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 there is none. Yeah, it's it's only uh, good if I guess you're their buddy, right? And then they'll protect you. But oh yeah, yeah. If, if I'm a corporation giving money to the people who are supporting the bankruptcy, you know, giving money to the senators who are supporting the bankruptcy court, I'll get out of this. You know, there are plenty of corporations who have enough money to to be able to do this. But I don't want any part of that stuff. Mm. And so they, you know, they they pierce this corporate veil using you know for, for the little guy who doesn't want to play their game, and they go after you anyway because you had the ability to make these decisions for the corporation. Amazing story. Anything else you so, want to so, add tonight? This whole concept of you know corporate uh, protection is 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 just BS unless you're you know the big the big corporations who can who can afford to buy a couple senators. It figures. Yeah. No, that, uh, that, that's about it. Just wanted to uh, you know share my tale of woe. Uh, so uh, you know I wrote the check a couple days ago, and now I have one fewer legal teams to deal with right now. <laughs> all <laughs> so right, that, Brian. That, that's, a, that's a good thing. I guess. Uh, hopefully, it'll be all gone away for good at this point. And I, I thank you for the call and this and the story tonight. Is depressing and sad as it might have been. We truly have gone full circle from fiefdoms to uh, wrangling things around again and going right back to through this new system with corporatism and all that. You, the, you know, there's there's this hierarchy with and corporations are at the top of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty high up there. If you look at politicians and things like that, those are the house slaves. You know, yeah. they're they're getting benefits for doing what they do, but they're in service to someone else, and it ain't us. <laughs> it's not the regular people down at the bottom. You know, if you're if you're not if you're not buying them off, and you know, th- there's people above the, the the politicians. Gosh, man, it's just looking, just thinking about what happened to him is so frustrating. There's nothing that would have stopped them from coming back to him and saying, "Yeah, I think we owe uh, you owe us one hundred and twenty thousand dollars." Get your money out of banks. Whatever you think, you think banks are protecting your money, you are. You could not be more mistaken. I'm. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm, I'm in the process of getting. You know. I don't want. I'm. I'm not in any. I can't even imagine like what trouble I could get into because I haven't been engaged in any sort of any business dealings or anything like that. I've pretty much just been a, a wage slave for a long time. I can't. But I still. I just. I don't even want to imagine. I don't know. I mean. I. I don't try. I don't. I'm not confident with my. Money being in the banks, so it's scary. Uh, I feel like I should keep just a little bit in there to to make it easy to pay bills and that oh, kind sure, of thing. Oh sure, yeah. But, but above a certain amount, uh, I'm with you, man. Put it somewhere don't, else. Don't have anything more in there than what you're expecting. You know what you can what you can lose. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up anything today. There's an update on the camera ban here in the uh, the city of Keene. They, have banned cameras. We'll t- give you more information in moments. This is-
is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give away all the features, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours free right there on the front page of the site at freetalklive.com. And audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. As uh, we bring you the latest here on a topic we discussed in depth last night, and appears there was a uh, fact that was gotten a little uh, incorrect. And I want to correct that first and then tell you about what happened today. Yesterday we had Sam here from the Obscured Truth Network, ObscuredTruth.com, telling us about how he was assaulted by court bailiffs in the Keene District Court, so which is the same court that had Dave Ridley arrested. He's now in jail. Uh, that had Sam arrested. He was in jail for 58 days. Dave, uh, Dave should be out uh, later this weekend. But uh, they've been arresting people for having video cameras and using them out in the, the court lobby the same courtroom, the same court lobby they uh, Sam went to yesterday, he was assaulted by the bureaucrats there, the, the court officers. He was just trying to look at the court documents and take pictures of them, which is explicitly allowed in their own rules. In the government's own laws, it says that, uh, they're, that you're allowed to come in and photograph uh, public records. And these are public records, but they wouldn't let him photograph. Then later on, they found out that photo photography, what he'd said at the time, was banned from the entire city building and all of the offices. You and I went down there today, Dale, with a handful of other activists, and we uh, ascertained that, that Sam had misunderstood or misread the sign. The sign actually did not ban cameras from all the city offices, though that probably would be the case if he brought cameras in the other offices. But mm-hmm. it did only specifically ban cameras from the clerk's office. So we did misunderstand that and put that misinformation out uh, yesterday, so I want to correct that. Uh, the, the cameras have been banned still from the, the, the court lobby and now from the clerk's office, which, again, is another public place. You they can just, go in there and get records, and you should be able to photograph them, but they've banned, uh, they've banned cameras. And so, it, this, is, this cannot last. They're basically, uh, you know, because we're not going to let it, but they've basically just, they're just disregarding their own laws completely. And and it's it's completely arbitrary, and they're doing it specifically for us. I mean, because of us. I mean, these they're specific. They don't want to sign these papers that they're posting. They don't want to say who put them up. Right. They will. No one is is taking responsibility for it. And a lot of what Sam is doing is trying to say, okay, who did this? Because it's illegal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he doesn't. I mean, he's not even saying because it's illegal, but who did this? And they don't want to say, which which I think is shows that they know that it doesn't hold water. But they've already gone to the extent of arresting someone over it, Sam, and kept him in jail for two months over something which is probably illegal because there's no order. It's just, you know, they're just, you can't, you know, the the, the thing is they, the thing, the blanket charge they like to give people is disorderly conduct. Mm -hmm. When that, and and based on the idea that they asked someone to leave and they didn't leave. Right. Like you're filming, we don't want you to film, so leave, we're telling you to leave, and disorderly conduct because you did not obey us. Uh, when we told you to leave, mm-hmm. but disorderly conduct, even again by their own rules, which I don't buy into, but but they claim to buy into these rules. Yes, they by some their of them own have law, sworn an oath to them. Exactly, and by their own law, disorderly conduct requires you to disobey a lawful order, 
and and in in legal legalese is very specific and very you know complex and lawful order means you have to there has to be reasonable suspicion that you are going to to break a law that, so, or that you were breaking a law or something like that but right yeah, or, yeah. just but just having somebody in an there's office there's a list of reasons and, and 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 none of them applied to the people that were being charged with disorderly conduct so Exactly. Somebody having a camera in a public office is not inherently disruptive. It's the, usually the bureaucrats themselves that will come up and cause a disruption. Usually the cameraman is relatively unobtrusive and you know doesn't stand in people's way and things like that. Right. It's, uh, and, and, and interesting, when, in cases in the past I've seen, like when Kat and Lauren were arrested in a federal office, the disruption happened not until the police showed up to arrest everyone, and right. that's when everyone left their posts and got scared, and they, they, they were the just scene. standing there. The, the, the activists were just standing there, and they called the police on them when they weren't doing anything other than expressing their free speech, uh, redressing, uh, asking for a redress of grievances, and the police showing up, that's when everything got disrupted. Yep, yep, that's usually how it plays out. So we went down there today just to kind of feel things out. Uh, the reporter, one of the reporters from the Free Keen Press, JJ was there asking questions of these bureaucrats. Uh, Nick Ryder was also there from, uh, from he's another local uh, video uh, videographer. And they were asking questions of these bureaucrats to try to get them to explain, you know, who posted the sign, uh, what law is this based on, where, where, is your, where are you even going to claim your authority is coming from within your own system to do something like this. And, of course, they didn't really want to answer the questions. One of the bureaucrats said that the reason they banned the cameras from the clerk's office was because there's private information in some of the, the, uh, inf- some of the files that they have there. And so I said, well, is any of that information sitting out? He says, yes, there's a note right here with some private information. Information on it. The note. Why is it sitting out where it can be seen? Much. Or, or I couldn't see it. Whether it's seen or yeah. a picture could be taken of it. If a picture can take, if if you can get a picture of it, or if it can be on film, then it can be seen. So yeah. don't allow eyeballs on it. It's just that their their excuse is paper thin. And they're just begging for more activism. They're begging for more people to come in there with cameras because we're not going to we're not going to stop. They they have to understand that, right? You putting up think. signs, putting up signs is not going to stop the free staters and the liberty activists up here in New Hampshire from going ahead and bringing cameras into places. All they're really going to end up getting is more people with cameras. That's what's going to happen. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out. I I suggested that a whole bunch of people come in with cameras and go into the offices just to just because they yeah. said you can't. Uh, I think that would be the simplest thing to do. I'm sure somebody who's more creative than me can come up with something a little bit better. Well, you understand that that they're usually bluffing when they threaten to arrest someone. Yes. They're just trying to in, they're trying to don't you elicit, obey. elicit obedience. Yeah. Exactly. They're trying to get you to be submissive and subservient, and that usually works. I mean, it's usually a bluff. They don't actually expect someone to, to disobey them at that point. They expect, yep. okay, I'm threatening you with arrest. It's not going to get into a legal matter or whether or not there's actually any laws being violated by the person they're threatening to arrest or anything like that. They're just intimidating you so that you will obey them, whether or not it's and a it lawful works. order or not. And it works on most, most people. people. And I think that um, you have to be ready to call them on that bluff. And sometimes that, you know, they'll carry through with it because, oh, now you've, been, you've yeah. been called, you've called my bluff, and now I have to do it. You know, I have to go through with it, and they didn't really want to. They don't want to. They, they, you know, it, just, it gets them lots of negative attention. It, get, it makes progress for us in the long run. And, and either way, it's a losing scenario for them. And I think at some point they, they need to stop. I mean, they're going to have to stop. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever they'll ever, ever learn. But I one way either. or the other, whether they keep bluffing or whether they are not, 
it's 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 a win for us in the long run. Yeah, whether they arrest somebody who's peaceful and send them to jail and spend a whole bunch of taxpayer dollars to keep them in jail, or whether they back down and turn around and, and don't do anything, it's still yeah, absolutely right. It's a win. One way they show their cards, and we and people see them as violent, as their authority is coming from nothing but the threat of violence and the intimidation and fear. So, just wanted to update folks. There's a video that's been posted over at freekeen.com. The city attorney came in and demanded that we leave the office. We stood in there for a little while longer and continued to ask questions. Then we went out into the hallway. That's when I raised up my BlackBerry and started uh, clicking it uh, live to the Internet, what was happening there. And you can see what it, what happened when I did that. He turns and scurries inside the office. He it's was like, he was going to answer questions until the camera came out, and then he runs it's off. It's like lights on a cockroach. Exactly what it was. So you can see it at freekeen.com. More on the way you bring up anything, 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Got a lot of features. Give them all away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki dot freetalklive.com get interactive free wiki wiki dot freetalklive.com and SACL CAI is the main sponsor of Free Talk Live they have a full orbed approach to account recovery it's really three companies in one they do collections early out billing and they purchase charged off receivables SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you their staff is respectful they record every call and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I. As we continue here, again, take your your calls if you make them about anything. In the meantime, we'll go into a couple emails here, one from Chris in Canada. He says, guys, I wanted to chime in regarding the recent call-in of a Swede requesting information about how to get to America. I think that it, your numbers there could be swelled considerably if someone on the ground in the state, he's talking about New Hampshire, could find some way to sponsor non-Americans to study or to work in the province. After remaining this in the state for a couple of years, it's possible for foreigners to directly apply for a green card, thereby becoming full-fledged non-deportable Americans. I, for one, am looking for just such an opportunity to get there. Since I already am university graduated, I don't want to spend another four years and thousands of dollars in schooling, as well as finding a job willing to support a visa application is next to impossible. But if some kind of organization that ostensibly was recruiting students in the province, uh, then I think that it would be a possible way to bring in large numbers of out-of-country activists. Only someone on the ground there could do this, of course, so I thought I'd put that out there. 
It's an interesting idea because we've had people call in. Uh, of course, we talk a lot about the Free State Project on this program. The Free State Project is a movement uh, that is encouraging thousands of liberty-minded people all to converge into the same place here in New Hampshire and get active for freedom. We've already had hundreds of people make the move so far. I made the move a few years back. Dale, you made the move a couple of years ago as well. And uh, we're, we're some of the early movers, and hundreds have moved, but it's mostly people from within the United States because it's pretty easy to cross uh, state borders as opposed to international borders. And so the international members of the Free State Project have really been having an issue with getting here because they want to get here, they want to get active, but at the same time there's the dilemma of, well, do I cut corners and go uh, past the whole legal immigration process and just come there? Well, if that if that's the case, then there your options are a lot more limited. You have to yeah. work underground, and you know you have to relatively be underground in pretty much all things. I mean, we were just talking with Bernard von Nonhaus in the first hour of the show how one of his associates was from Canada, and when uh, the Liberty Dollar was raided, they found out he was from Canada, and now he's still in jail as a result of that. So it could be really a difficult situation for an activist coming here from another country, living underground, then going out and doing some activism, getting arrested for it, and then ending up in jail for a long time, or deported, or or wherever they would end up, versus the process of going through legal immigration, which could take years and years and years, and who knows how many thousands of dollars in fees and application fees and all that stuff, whatever bureaucratic hoops you need to jump through. It's a nightmare from what I understand, and I only understand a very little bit about the immigration process. Oh, it's everything I've heard. It sounds amazingly uh, daunting, because even... Even if you get married, I mean, that's not, I thought that was an easy pass, but there, I've heard of not people anymore. having trouble getting their spouses in. Just getting like a green card for their spouse or just getting it so that a spouse can move here. I, I thought that was an immediate given. You could at least move your spouse here. It might be mm. difficult to get uh, a green card so they can get a job, but if you're ready to support your spouse, I thought, you know, okay, they can at least move, but... Not, not even so that, much. apparently. Apparently, that's not even a given. So it's, so it's pretty daunting. So I think Chris's idea here is is interesting. I, again, I'm not an immigration expert, so I don't know how beneficial this would be. But it is my understanding that if you've got an organization that is re- recruiting people to come here, if it's a business that wants employees or, as he's saying, some sort of sponsor to bring people here to study. I have. Uh, I've heard of that. People that, getting visas for a specific job. Yeah. If, if, you're, if your work is willing to sponsor you. And, and things like that. So what would that be? I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's something like the CD Evolution Fund uh, could get involved with. I, I really am not sure. Maybe some sort of, although then again, CD Evolution isn't an incorporated entity as far as it being like a 501c3. So I don't know what the, the responsibilities here are of whatever the organization is that's doing this. I don't know if the Free State Project could do this. It's certainly not their mission. But what he's suggesting is some organization could be started, maybe the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Who knows? Some organization should step up and actively recruit people internationally and be that kind of uh, that go-between that, it makes it, that may make it a little easier for people who live internationally to come here to, uh, to New Hampshire and get active. It, it does sound like it's worth looking into. I, I think the idea of a... Of a some sort of charitable organization or nonprofit uh, ought to be able to do that as as well, and it'd be it'd be worth looking into. I hate the legalese. I, yeah. You know, that's not my thing. But I know there are some some members of the project, some activists who are good at that and enjoy it and are, have an aptitude for it. So, 
that that'd be the um that someone like that can look into it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know do how it. profitable it would be as far as whether you could actually make it into a full time job or anything like that. You know, but. there's a lot of people who are here who are already who by choice want to live sort of underground uh, mm-hmm. to some extent or another. Um and well, some people are doing f- that by choice. They're they're agorists or for or for whatever reason they they want to be out of the system. Whatever it is, it works for you. I support it. I mean, this is an idea for people that don't want to go underground. This is an idea for people that want to be above above board, at least to some extent, and go through the legitimate uh, immigration process. Not that I personally believe it's legitimate, but that's... That's the system, right? Yeah. Uh, if you don't go through it, then there is that chance that uh, they could throw you out. That's, of course, they could throw you out anyway if they want yeah, to. That's the people who uh, have have uh, their elaborate justifications for using violence against innocent people that we have to deal with. You know they're, what? I, they're a reality that we have to deal with. You know what? I was just thinking, Dale, when I said that they could just throw you out anyway if they wanted to. Let's. It made me realize that what would happen. And maybe somebody that knows about immigration can call on this at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, but. What if, imagine you were born in another country and you heard about the Free State Project and you wanted to come here and get active, and so you did go through the process. Let's say there was some organization that was willing to sponsor you in that made it a little easier for you to come here. You go through whatever that process is. You spend however many years it takes to to make it happen. You spend however many thousands of dollars it takes to make it happen. So you jump through all the hoops. You go through the process and you make it, right? You're one of the few that actually makes it through the system. Because there are a lot of people currently in the immigration process at various different levels, and it's a slow, slow bureaucracy, and they have arbitrary numbers that they've set that say that, well, if we've already gotten X amount of people from uh, Guatemala, we're not going to take X plus one. You know, you're sorry, we've already got enough. We don't want to. So it's very difficult to get in. But presuming you make it through all that, what if you then go and engage in civil disobedience? Could they then say that now that you're a criminal so-called, you know, you've been arrested for civil disobedience, that we're revoking your citizenship, we're revoking your uh, your green card or visa or whatever the hell it is. I don't mm-hmm. know what all the documentation is. But could they say that, well, we had given you the citizenship thing, and now we're taking it back, you're deported, you're out of here. Just well, it's, another a crime? Exa- it's a good point. It's another example of what you've brought up before. If, if you choose to do business all the, the it, through the white market, uh, get your permits and get mm-hmm. all the approval processes and and let the let the people inspect to make sure your your restaurant is sanitary and all those things. Anytime you're trying to go through the white market, they've got something to hold over your head now. Sure. And so and it's you know and and it's the same thing if you have a a, a charitable organization that's getting certain amount of of tax money, certain amount of funding from the government. There's almost inevitably strings attached to it, and so. Uh, you know, if you decide to go through all that stuff, there is something that they that they've got to hold over your head. It's just right. another example of it. And, and they, who knows I think it's all that more encouragement for people to to stay the outside the system yeah. as much as possible. Because what's the worst that would happen? I mean, if you got caught, if you were an underground immigrant here in uh, New Hampshire and you got caught, the, there's it would seem the worst that would happen would be they'd lock you up for a while and, and then they, eventually maybe deport, deport you. you. Yeah. Yeah. So you go back. You go back to where you came from. The 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 pen, the, the uh, potential harm is a lot worse if you have a lot invested. That's you know, true. So. so something to think about for those of you out there looking to help people get here into New Hampshire, which is uh, something that I fully support. Whatever it takes. And to And there get are things here. you can do to, without doing civil di- disobedience yourself sure. to be helpful. Absolutely. Behind the scenes, lots of stuff can be done. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hate mail coming up.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We'll go into, uh, continue digging into the email box here as we get to a little bit of hate mail. It doesn't come in very often. I always get a little bit excited when you mention that really? there's some hate mail. I don't know what it is. I, you know, and I, I think it's the same way with my own site when someone sends me a visceral, hateful filled message and whatever. I it's just, just kind of go, you know, you're getting under someone's skin or they're having yeah. some cognitive dissonance. You're doing something right. Something. You're doing something right when you get hate mail uh, because it, it means people are paying attention, even the ones that don't like what you have to say. So uh, we've gotten some of it here, and it can, it never comes, it hardly ever comes directly to me. Usually, the way we get our hands on hate mail is that somebody will be listening to the radio, because if you're an internet listener and you're tuning in uh, to, to Free Talk Live based on somebody's recommendation or you saw an ad or whatever. You listen to the show and you don't like it. Odds are good you're just going to turn it off and never come back. You don't really have anything invested in Free Talk Live as as an Internet listener, as a brand new Free Talk Live Internet listener. You'll you'll just turn it off and go away. You're not going to write a letter or or write an email to the host of a show that you don't really even care about. You have no real connection with, right? So our Internet listeners are more likely to be in agreement with us on things and so less likely to actually go ahead and write any sort of hate mail. Sometimes we'll get critique from Internet listeners. Sometimes it's not the most tactful but critique. Yeah. But, but still more leaning in the direction of constructive criticism. Right. Whereas a radio listener feels like they have a connection with their radio station and they may really enjoy listening to a Rush Limbaugh or a Glenn Beck or something like that during the daytime hours and then all of a sudden they run into Free Talk Live on Saturday nights, which is a complete 90-degree turn from whatever it is that's on during the daytime, whether it's a progressive station like we've got over in Vermont uh, or in uh, Eureka or whether it's one of the more traditional conservative talkers. Free Talk Live is a complete left turn or right turn, all, all things depending on whatever the exactly. format of the station is. And so these listeners have uh, have their selves invested in sort of the concept of what they believe to be talk radio. And, of course, most of them, the ones that, that write and get angry, are mostly from the conservative side, just because that's the most of the stations that we're on. Of right. The 50 stations. It's, it's a relatively new thing for, to, you know, there aren't that talk, many yeah. progressive radio stations. So, uh, so that's where we get most of it from. And, and still, there's not a whole lot, because it still requires the program director of the station who receives the email to think about us and to go ahead and hit the forward button and forward it on to me for for me to even see it. So our new station in Tallahassee, WFLA-FM, has only had us on for about a month or a month and a month and a half at this point, maybe even not, not even a month and a half. But they've had us on for a few weeks, and they've gotten some negative response, of course, especially once you make a change. If you change something on your radio station from one program to another, the fans of the old show are going to be upset. It's just a given, right? So the interesting part about this is the people that are writing didn't even like the old show. The show that we replaced, Mike McConnell, which is this syndicated uh, product out of uh, Clear Channel that he's on during the day and some stations run him at night in a delay broadcast, which is why they replace, replace him with us because we're live. Makes sense from a programming perspective. You want to put the live show on. Sure. If that it's way a people good show. can call in and things like that. Right. Especially, I mean, for a call in, especially for a call-in show. Exactly. And presuming it's a decent show. Obviously, if the show's crap, you don't want to replace a, a recorded show with a crappy live show. 
But they replaced this Mike McConnell guy, and so the last one we'd read, the dude couldn't even remember, the emailer couldn't even remember the name of the show that used to be on, but he knew he liked it better. <laughs> he couldn't even remember their name. This guy says, I am shocked at the addition of the current program, which has apparently replaced Mike McConnell's show. I didn't much care for his show, but it was hundreds of times better than these idiots currently playing on the radio now. They have a habit of bashing religion, specifically Christian religion, for no reason. With tonight's show, their baseless claims make me wonder about their agenda. They sound like a bunch of wannabe college radio types as it is. Their apparent lack of life experiences definitely show in some of their weak opinions. So, weak. Oh, should we talk about life experiences? I can't, yeah. I can't think of many people my age who can, who can tell you as many stories as I can of all the different... Uh, things that I've been through, I'm, I'm telling you. But go well, on. You you are older than Mark and uh, and myself. That's uh, true. You're, you're the one of the elder uh, two gentlemen on the on the program. Wayne, I think, is uh, has got you beat out by a few years. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah, I think Wayne's in his fifties. Yeah, that would be older than me. So uh, it looks good for his in his fifties, if that's the case. But it's an easy attack to say that. Well, we're young guys, and and certainly you are younger than the average talk show host. Most of the talk show hosts in the industry are in their fifties and sixties, and some of them are even older than that. Uh, so it's easy to to attack us uh, for being young. But let's put that one aside and look at the idea here that uh, we have a habit of bashing religion, specifically the Christian religion. Again, this comes into play that this guy expects talk radio to be white, conservative, Christian talk radio. That's what he hears when he hears talk radio. And true, I think it's a rare subject. Usually it's because someone it calls in and brings up, you know, Their a, Bible, right. a Bible passage or something like that, and, and we might talk about it, but we're not particularly religious-oriented, and then that's what it comes down to, I think that we're that, not preaching. You know, we're not, you know. Well, we've talked a lot about, uh, I mean, when, when theology comes up, we'll dig into the topic. I mean, certainly we'll dig in, and we won't hold back on how we feel, and I know that Mark had a real Christian upbringing as far as he went to a Christian school when, when he was a kid, and he's got uh, kind of a... He's got a bit of a grudge, I would say, against Christianity as an organized religion because of that. But I think a lot of the things we discuss as far as our approach to life and our approach to activism is very in line with uh, many Christian ideals. And I think we've pointed that out before, the idea of peace and love and turning the other cheek and forgiveness. All of those are very Christian ideals. So I think what's, a, what's offending this guy is any sort of direct mention that we don't appreciate Christianity as an organized religion. That's offensive to him. Probably offensive that we would say things like, well, if you support the war, you're not a good Christian. That kind of thing, because I'm sure there are a lot of Christians out there, self-described Christians, that are warmongers and that also believe that they're Christians and are very offended by that idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised. I don't know that I've heard that. I certainly wouldn't say that because I don't try to... I don't feel like it's my place to judge what makes someone a good Christian or not because that's that's not my well, thing. So I'm not a I'm not yeah. a Christian, but I do understand a few things about the I do understand having spent a number of years in the religion and Mark certainly is far better educated on it than I am. Sure. I think that he comes from a position of somebody who's read the Bible several times and who went to a Christian school. I went to Christian camp for a number of years uh, and and I spent some time uh, and at a Presbyterian church as I was as I was growing up. So I've certainly got as much uh, experience in Christianity is the average American, I would say. Sure, I, I have a fair amount of experience, too. I've read, I, I've read most of the Bible. I went to uh, front to back. I went to, uh, you know, I, I was raised Southern Baptist. So I have my own experiences. I, I still, though, it's sort of like I've chosen to 
my I don't describe my religious beliefs that way anymore, and so I just don't choose to judge. You know, it doesn't feel appropriate for me to say what is or is not a good Christian. Well, I have no problem saying it because it <laughs> seems to me that if the Christians want to say that the the Ten Commandments are their highest laws. One of those commandments says, thou shalt not kill, and That's war true. is killing. Well, you know, so, it, it, I guess the analogy there. is we're constantly criticizing the lawmakers for not obeying their own laws. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 I don't subscribe to their laws as a voluntarist, obviously, but they, like you said, swore an oath to them. And so I guess in the same sense, you could, you could point that out and say, look, this is, this is what you claim to believe, and Jesus you're not consistent about people. it. Jesus was right. not a killer. That's not the way he solved problems. So I'm just observing my observations of the Christian, uh, the Christian religion and how it clashes with what many Christians actually support and what they believe in. True. But it's going to offend people. And so he says, I don't care much for coast to coast, uh, blah, blah, blah. But these lamers on the radio are anti-religion bigots and seem to be bashing Christianity every time I seem to tune in. I was hoping it was just a temporary thing. I never thought I would say this, but I do miss the old show. So uh, so thanks for the email, whoever you are. I don't get to find out who they are, but I figured I'd share that with you. I think that, you know, inevitably when there's an email, I, I think maybe this is it. Maybe this is why I get excited about these emails. Uh, whenever it's something that worthy of reading on the air, it's probably juicy. You know, someone's going to say something that just – and it's just fun to dig into it. You know? it, it is because it, the, these are people that are responding – and they're not really listening. They're not really paying attention. They're, they're, they're just hearing some sort of keyword that is offensive to them. Christians, that sounds like half the comments that I get on my, on own, your blog? On my own website. Yeah. Anarchyinyourhead.com, people who are just not really getting it. I, I, yeah, I see people. It's like they ignored what I wrote. They're, they're responding to something they heard someone else say somewhere else, and they're just, they're just repeating talking points. Do you ever get that? You get that sense that sure. someone is just repeating a talking point, and you'll oh, get, yeah. I'll get the same comment like ten times on on five different blog posts. And we got to the get them thing. over there before they get us over here. Enough. That kind you, of stuff. You've responded to yeah. it a dozen times. After a point, you just want to direct them to the place with the answer. You right. know? It's frustrating, and this is something that it ties back into a conversation we were having earlier in the week about cognitive dissonance. And how it is that people want to hear things that they want to hear, and they don't want to hear things that might contradict with their belief system. And so when he hears us talking about Christianity and things like that, he completely tunes out and doesn't really listen to the content of what we're saying because he doesn't believe that there's anything of value to it. More on the way here. You can bring up whatever you want. Hour 3 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. Uh, tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. As we're launching here into the third hour, we'll take your calls about anything. We'll open things up with Dan in Pennsylvania on the amp line. Dan, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, well, I, I was calling to talk about agorism, but actually what you, the, the uh, email that you were reading sort of touched on something that happened to me recently that's kind of pertinent. Um, sure. Went to visit my mom's family in Tennessee, which is right in the middle of Southern Baptist country. And uh, needless to say, it's July 4th, middle of, you know, conservative Christian Bible Belt. It was, um, well, not like church like I'm used to. It was... Uh, let's say, praising the United States government, worshiping the flag, yeah. you know. Thou uh, shalt not put idols before me. I, I wanted to stand thing. up and yell that. Yeah. And, uh, like, my, my brother is a voluntarist, so obviously he felt the same way I did, but my parents, who are, you know, they're sort of a little bit to the right of Ron Paul, I'd say, even they were shocked about it. I mean, it was just disgusting. Yeah. I, and this, I, I mean, as a Christian, I got to say, I was just totally offended by it. And it's stuff like that that leads me to uh, to say that I, I agree with you more than the people who call and write in talking about how you guys are always making fun of religion, because most of your specific criticisms about the Christian church, if not the faith itself, I agree with. It's good to hear. Uh, and that's where, that's where a lot of my critiques come from, not just from my own personal experience, but from listening to people like you that call yourself uh, that call yourself a Christian, call in and rail against many of the other people that also call themselves Christians. I think you have a real uh, strong position that you're coming from. Yeah, and one of the, one of the things in particular that I would that I would like to point out to my fellow Christians is where in the world do they get this idea that you know the Bible says thou shalt not kill. It actually means thou shalt not murder. Um, so you know self defense is left open. But where do they get this idea that? you know, by killing random brown people in another country that you're defending yourself. I mean, it's, I mean, everyone, you know, subscribes to collectivism, except for, I think, you know, those of the libertarian persuasion. But mm-hmm. in, in the Christian, in Western Christianity, anyway, it's not so much true in the East, but in Western Christianity, it's like, you know, the nationalist collectivism is it's omnipresent. Yeah, and, rampant. And, yeah, I, I just I don't know how to deal with it anymore because it's just so frustrating. Yeah, I'd say but, leave the church. Uh, just uh, tell them yeah. that you're not happy with what they're saying and that you're not going to support them anymore and, and leave. And uh, you can be a Christian without going to a church, can't you? Yeah, that's true. Well, thankfully the church that I attend isn't like that. I would my pastor doesn't talk politics, but I gather that he is basically libertarian, if not, you know, as consistent as, uh, you know, voluntarist. So that it's at least bearable. But I'm actually writing a, a book called Christ and Liberty, in which I basically call the state a false god. And I expect that when I publish it, I won't find many friends in uh, the church as an organization. <laughs> you should consider Quakerism. Um, I think that I, that I am sort of a Quaker, but I... I there are things in the uh, in the mainstream, some of the mainstream denominations that some of them that I like, and I do like uh, you know attending uh, worship that's more mainstream. But like when it hymns comes to and stuff like that, you, you like the hymns. 
Yeah, the hymns, something's a little more contemporary. I just find that very, you know, energizing spiritually. Hey, man, whatever whatever floats your boat. I would say that if you are somebody, and you say you aren't, but if uh, somebody's listening and they're going to one of these churches that is a very state-oriented church, a very nationalistic church, that uh, that you try not to change the church from the inside, it would seem to make the most sense to just say, look, I'm not going to put up with this anymore, and go strike out on your own. Start your own church, uh, if that's what it takes, and start a, start a church of liberty uh, where you've got whatever the religion you've got, and you uh, try to recruit people and, and talk about the ideals of... Uh, it talk about Jesus's life from a, from a pro-freedom perspective, and and it sounds like you're well on your way to uh, to at least coming up with a book that does that. There are a fair number. It's not a new idea. There are a fair number of people who are Christian who see the state as a type of idolatry, which is one of the most blasphemous things you can do from the perspective yeah. of the Christian religion. So, any other thoughts tonight, Dan? Yeah, well, I, th- I think I, I might just start a church like that when I move up to New Hampshire in a few years. I say go for it. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it, and good luck with the book. 800-259-9231 to Glenn in New York. Glenn, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Yeah, hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Glenn? Uh, I'd like to say, you know, I I really disdain the use of the term organized religion. All right. Because I think it's it's kind of a misnomer, because if you try to imagine the contrary, I I don't think it really exists. How could a religion not be organized when... When all religions are are some set of uh, organized beliefs or ritualistic practices, I don't know if that's the exact definition of religion. Maybe you mean like group religion, because you can be very religious without having any. You can be religious on your own without are you having sure any. Sure about or, that? I think so. I think you can be religious on your own without having some sort of uh, structure or organization or or group to belong to. I I, can I think don't think I'm, that wouldn't be a religion. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, well, to be religious, uh, to... You can say you're spiritual, but a religion is, a, is an organizing principle, an uh, organized principle of beliefs or a set of spiritual, a set of ritualistic practices. That's what a religion is. So it's like saying the Department of Redundancy, Redundancy Department. It's very redundant, and it's a misnomer. Well, say, and I know people have been using it for years. Uh, I've heard Jesse Ventura say it. I hear all sorts of people. And it's just stupid to say organized religion. It's a religion. Well, a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, uh, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies usually involving devotional and ritual observances and often containing a moral code governing the conduct of human affairs, but not, not necessarily. So you could have a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe, and you would have a religion based on that particular definition. Uh, that, to me, Which doesn't suggest... Uh, that's, that's Can you imagine a, a group of people like who who don't have who who don't practice the same who all have their own specific set of things they're doing and I mean it wouldn't be a religion in that case. Uh, well, I mean, even the people who believe in Christ loosely and kind of are scattered, at least they all believe in Christ. They have an organizing principle. Yeah, but I don't know if that's I, – I think you're stretching on that one personally. I mean I see where you're coming from, but when I think of organized religion, I think of a church, uh, a location that people go to to worship uh, together in whatever way that uh, that they say is, uh, is appropriate. In, in actual practice, I just, I just know of a number of people who are not – who have not found a place where they fit in in some sort of group religion, and yet they have very intense religious beliefs personally. And so I, I, that's, I think it's – in actual practice, I don't know that that flies. Any other There's just too many examples of people who, who are very individualistic in their religious no, I, I, 
I just I think it's one of these uh, silly technocratic terms that has no that's 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 overdoing it that has no real basis. I mean, you know, what you're describing exists, sure, but uh, then to say like to separate organized religion from something else. I mean, a religion's a religion. It's it's just really silly. I and uh, well, you know, it defines you. What it's, you're separating is how people uh, choose to go about their religion. Some people choose to go into an organization of a church or something like that and and proceed in that direction. Some people choose to go off in an individual direction and set their own beliefs based on their own research and their own life experiences. Both are religious. One of them seems far more organized than another in the same way that they call organized crime uh, organized crime instead of just a as, common as, criminal. Yeah, a criminal who comes in, an opportunistic criminal who mugs someone because they're alone at night and, and is maybe Obviously. a loner versus organized crime, which is... Well, you know, like the mafia the term, or something, or government. How about, term, how about a different term for the person who has a um, who's non-affiliated? Come up with one. You can if you want, but the, 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 I think most people understand what is meant when you say organized religion. You know, yeah, and, talk about and there semantics. is it's a distinction that mm-hmm. matters because because organized religion, in in the sense that we've just described it as a you know that is. And it's a great. No. It's very analogous to it, government it structures it, it and a lot. Make and sense. Give me, give me an example of unorganized religion. It doesn't make any sense. Unorganized. I religion. just described it to you. I described you. There are individuals out there who have religious views, right? The very strong religious views and faith that do not fit into a particular org, a particular organized structure of we're people who an, are practicing religion together. Right. We're talking yeah. about an external organization. You could say, well, you've got your thoughts organized, so therefore you've got an organized religion. I'm talking about an external organization with you know uh, church elders and all it's, of that. It's a stuff. structure that's very similar to statism. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's, it's they, very analogous, in fact, and, and there's will, in, there's indoctrination. We'll argue. Over no, all kinds of useless crap still, here. Thanks. Hang on. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll free to 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And tonight it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. That is the website. All of the features are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. I had meant to put Glenn on hold a few moments ago, and I don't know if I accidentally hit the drop button. So, Glenn, if I hung up on you, I apologize. You're certainly welcome to call back. I could have sworn I pressed hold. Maybe he dropped off. Anyway, he's not there. He was the guy that was uh, was arguing with us over the definition of organized religion. He believes that the term organized religion is uh, essentially it's repetitious in that uh, he believes that all religion is inherently organized. And you and I were kind uh, kind of working to argue against that point. Uh, in that uh, I think that an individual can have a religion without necessarily having to engage in an institutional uh, institutional sort of structure. Uh, in fact, if you go and dig into the definition, look at dictionary.com and type in organized religion, there isn't a definition, and it says it's an institution to express belief in a divine power. So you can have uh, religion without being involved in an institution. And and I- absolutely. 
And I think that, you know, I, I actually, this is a battle I usually choose not to have because I don't really, until they try to impose their beliefs on me in some way, I don't care what someone believes. Yeah. And, uh, and usually it's statism when people impose their beliefs on you, but I know a lot of statism is fueled by people who want to impose their religious views on someone. If it's not directly their religion, maybe tenets of their religion, whether it has to do with what sort of sexual practices you engage in mm-hmm. or how much charity you engage in and things like that, they try to impose it on you through statism. And they've got their beliefs that are that are that are very deeply true to them because of their religious indoctrination. And you know, I've pointed out it's such an excellent analogy for statism because an organized religion specifically, because it's something whether or not it's true or not. This is something I brought up. Your religion can be absolutely 100% correct, but still you were you were indoctrinated into it from a very early age before you had time to analyze it before you even had the right sort of mindset to sure. critically analyze a certain belief system. And so in an organized religion, as we've been calling it, you are essentially indoctrinated into it from an early age, and that's that's essentially why you believe in it, whether or not it's actually true or not. Let's go to your phone calls. Rich is on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rich. Well, hello, gang. Hey, Rich. What's on your mind I tonight? Have a pers- well, I have a perspective that I rarely hear, but I learned it from a... I, I don't know what you call him, a teacher of sorts of the Essene faith. The Essene faith? Can you, can you spell that? Yeah, Essene. E-S-S-E-N-E. Okay. Yeah, this is an ancient sect of Judaism. But anyway, he described the word religion as coming from the word re, which would be a new or again, like, well, like we've find in so many words, mm-hmm. and the ligare, is the, that is a Latin word which means, is the same root from which we get ligament, and a ligament does what? It connects, like bone, bone to bone. Yeah, it does say so, here in the uh, dictionary.com, the origin of religion is uh, conscientiousness, piety, uh, also religare, to tie, to fasten, to bind, to tie. Right. To bind to tie a connection. In order to bind or tie, you've got to have some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. So, so the way he described it, and it makes perfect sense to me, is that religion is a reconnection, a reconnection to the source. Well, you don't need to join any church. You don't need to join what you and I would call an organized religion right. in order to do that. All you have to do is decide in your heart that you want to reconnect with the creator with the source and and do do seeking on your own you don't need to be part of any sort of of organized religion absolutely in order to do that that's how i feel about it <laughs> i'm with you anything else on your mind uh, at the moment nope that's it well said rich thank you for the insight i appreciate it 800-259-9231. Let's continue with Josh in Colorado. Josh, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Uh, yeah, hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Josh? Uh, I just wanted to throw into your discussion about organized religion, uh, Discordianism. What is that? A Discordianism, uh, belief that everything is in discord and basically all the people that believe in it just believe in different things. Okay. Everything is in discord as opposed to everything in harmony? Is that where it's coming? Where are you coming from? Well, just uh, discordianism. Uh, discordians supposedly pray to the goddess Eris, 
is the goddess of discord, and about the only thing they believe in altogether is that they believe different things. Okay. Completely disorganized. So, and they're calling themselves a religion? Yeah, it's been around for, I don't know, 60 years or so, I guess. Is it kind of like a joke religion, sort of like uh, the Church of the uh, what is it? The flying Ch- Spaghetti Monster. Yeah, the, well, it's just Flying Spaghetti Monster, but there's also the the one with the guy that's smoking the pipe. What is that? The Church of the Subgenius. That's what that is. Oh, is it like that? Yeah, that's kind of related to Discordianism, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks. For- they they consider themselves a religion, though. Okay, yeah, th- thanks. thanks for throwing that out there. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Anybody can consider themselves a religion, I guess. <laughs> Let's continue here and go unscreened to the amp line. Who's this? You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, this is Matt from Illinois. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just wanted to throw out a religion that would not be probably would not be considered an organized religion by most people, which would be Wiccans. Okay, so there is no organization uh, to join. There's no hierarchy. No institution? Not, not necessarily. I mean, there is if, if you want, but most Wiccans are practicing on their own. Mm-hmm. They, they they buy the books. They study the uh, the old, uh, uh, what do you call it, rituals and things like that, and they perform them on their own. But if you were to join a coven, then uh, then you'd be an organized Wiccan. Then then you would be an organized Wiccan, right. exactly. Or but, a grove. But most, if you have more like than... the, the lone wolf thing, most... Most Wiccans that I know personally right. do not belong to any church, do not belong to any group. If they you have more than study, they study the uh, the old the old ways, the old um, rituals and the and spells and things like that, and they work them on their own. And, and if I, you, that's, that's yeah. you know decentralized. I think that might be a good way to put it. This is uh, uh, centralized religion as, as opposed to decentralized religion. And if you have more than 13 people, it's not a coven, it's a grove. Is that right? <laughs> Which is more organized, well, you, you right? You know a little bit more about it than I do. <laughs> What's the, do they have, what is the I studied pre- it for a short time. I actually had a friend that, brought, that taught me into coming to some Wiccan classes with him. What's the higher up? I mean, is there, like, if you're in an, uh, a coven Well, they or do grove, have priests and priestesses. Do they? Uh, okay. but, but, uh, High priest? It's not so much, uh, it's not really, it's not really quite a hierarchy. They're very kind of, they're not really very hierarchical. Even the priest and priestess, they're just people performing a certain role. In, That's the like, way the it is with the Quakers. Stuff, you know? uh, when the Quakers get together, somebody obviously has to pay the rent for the room or whatever, but there's nobody that's necessarily in charge, so to speak. So right. I guess that would be kind of a mid midpoint between having an organized religion or an institution and just a meeting of friends, which is what the Quakers but they're, do. They're all different. I mean, there's different yeah. factions of it, just like everything else. Thanks, uh, Matt, for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. The features include updates. You get signed up. 
We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. The war on drugs continues to become more insane as time goes on, and it's not just happening here in the United States. There's a war on drugs all over the world in most places. I, I don't know if they call it the war on drugs in, in their countries, uh, but in the U.K., it's definitely going on, and in a way that is incredibly frightening and dangerous. Uh, we'll give you the story on that here in a moment, on what some of the U.K. cops have been accused of doing to a marijuana suspect, or at least more than, may, perhaps more than one marijuana suspect to uh, extract information from them. We'll get to that, but first, your calls. Ilya in New York, you're on Free Talk Live. Ilya. Hello oh, there. hi, Ian. How are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well... Uh, we spoke through um, YouTube, and you saw my video called "Parking Tickets Exposed." Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, why don't you uh, recap yeah, for our listeners? What, guys in, so what were you I doing in that video? What were you doing for? Okay. Our, can you explain to our listeners what in that video you were doing? Because obviously I've seen it, but they probably haven't. Okay, so pretty much in the video I explained this. On the parking notice, it pretty much literally says it's a parking notice, and they, they need to receive a response within 30 days. And that's the only obligation that was created upon me. So what I do is I send these guys a letter saying that you guys apparently placed uh, this uh, notice on my car. I'm responding to your notice, and I hope that you notice by my notice that I don't want any judicial intervention. I uh, want to administrate this matter as, you know, I don't see any obligation that I have to pay every notice that gets put on my car. Like, for example, if I gave you a notice oh, give me $65, you'd be like, for what? So that's exactly yeah, my Yeah, I would point. say, who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly my point. So uh, I pretty much clarify in there, I don't, want, I don't want this to be an accounting mistake that, you know, I'm paying a bill that I'm not supposed to, which I'm not obligated to. So I send them these letters, and um, what they have is this thing called the administrative law judges. Eventually they... Uh, Send you a, first, they send you a letter saying that, oh, giving you another offer to pay uh, a lower amount. Then, after a while, somebody, I guess, reads it and sends you something called a decision in order. Um, and, but I still, and they, and they pretty much say that, oh, on the merits of what this guy said, uh, we still find you guilty, you still owe us this money. So... The end to my saga today, really, I was coming out of the grocery store. So let me and, see. Hold on. Uh, Before you get to the end of the story, let me see if I've understood you correctly, if I can recap, uh, basically. What you've done is something similar to what I've done here in Keene, New Hampshire. Uh, about a year ago, I received a parking uh, ticket for being in a meter for too long without paying or something like that. And so I wrote them a, a letter back basically saying, I'd be happy to pay this as long as you can show me the proof of obligation that's, that you know, proves that I'm obligated to pay exactly. for these parking tickets. They, uh, did, I, uh, they, what they did was somebody paid the ticket because they wrote me a letter back like a month and a half later 
they wrote me back uh, saying that, well, thanks, uh, so, uh, thanks for paying your ticket so promptly. I had not paid the ticket. So I don't know who went in there and paid it for me, but I was concerned that maybe since I'd put the, no, uh, the, the ticket number online that somebody just took that number and went in and paid it for me. Or I thought maybe they marked it as pay just to, to not have to deal with this stuff uh, at, the, at that point. And so I, I figured, okay, well, great. I'll try that again next time it happens. And so it happened again. This time it was uh, an overnight parking uh, fine of like $15. And I wrote them back and I said, again, uh, I'll happily, happily pay this as soon as you provide me a proof of obligation uh, to obey your ordinances. And this time they wrote me back and they said, well, we're not going to waive this. Uh, we're and we're not going to answer your questions either because I asked them for not only proof of obligation but I also asked them some questions in general and they just basically said well we know what you believe we're not going to answer your questions and and that's where they left it I'm sure the parking fine has uh, gone up to whatever the the total amount is that they can charge at this point because I haven't paid it uh, but you know clearly they don't care about the fact that you write letters to them they're not going to waive this in any way shape or form at least that's the way it seems to me I love the idea of approaching them in this way and basically saying, well, you're making this demand of me to pay uh, to pay you for a service that you've rendered that I didn't ask you for. And uh, if I did ask you for it, show me the proof. If you if I did indeed ask for it and hired you to provide me with this service, then of course I'll pay the bill. And that's kind of the, the position you're coming from, right? Uh, that's exactly my, my point. Like, uh, you know, uh, just because somebody gives you some sort of notice doesn't mean you have to pay everything. But you know, has it ever have... worked? I mean, how many it times have you done it? for me, though. Pretty much they just, uh, always, um, you know, decided an or, like, decided it against me. Sure. No, it hasn't worked for me. Not in New York over here. No. Nope. Uh, I guess administrative law differs from, like, common law and things like that, you know. Well, here's the thing. From, right. from my observation, I, I do want to hear the rest of your story, but from my sure. observation... It doesn't matter what the law says. Like, I've tried this stuff. I've tried doing, uh, you know, the all capital letters thing, and I've tried doing not consenting because it says in the New Hampshire Constitution right there at the top that all government of, of good is by the consent of the governed. Maybe they're a government of evil, so therefore it's not consent. Uh, but it's or all government of right is by the by consent, and so I've tried to make it clear that I don't consent. They don't care. They'll put me in a jail cell anyway. And it doesn't matter if you can nail them down to their own laws, as we did yesterday. Went into the uh, some of the activists went into the government office buildings. They were told they couldn't photograph the court records, even though their their own rules and their own right to know law says that you can photograph those records. So they don't even care what the law says. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, paperwork you file. They'll do whatever it is they feel like doing. So what happened to the rest of your story? So with the rest of my story, so I, I kind of stopped paying parking tickets kind of last year. I'm like realizing, oh, you know, I don't have any obligation to any of these government people. Mm -hmm. So my saga really ends today. Um, I was coming out of the grocery store, my hands full of groceries completely, and here these guys are, and uh, towing away my... Uh, oh, man. Uh, I was literally parked outside of the meter. I even paid for the meter. I have my inspection up to date. The registration is not expired yet. Everything is is fine. But I come outside and here they, these government people are just taking my car away. Yeah, yep. they don't have to answer your questions. They don't have to provide you with proof. They've got men with guns. They've got a guy that uh, runs a tow company. They'll do whatever it is the hell they want to do. And that's why yeah, I think that. But, yes, sir. Go ahead. Well, I'm wondering how they found these things. I, I saw these uh, these uh, these cameras that they put on the cop cars nowadays mm -hmm. that are linked to a computer. 
that uh, photograph every license plate and run it, run it against a database for things like, you know, no insurance, somebody suspended driver license, things like that. And I'm thinking they have one of these cameras driving around because I have no idea how they could have found my car. And yeah, it would seem they'd be more likely to just jack it from your... It seemed like they'd be more likely to jack it from your driveway. That'd be the easiest way to find you. It yeah. seems a little it's, unusual they'd go at the grocery store. I would. Ex what surprises me is you said you'd paid the meter and all that. Now, if someone... If a meter mate had come up and run your plate in order to give you a ticket, it might have alerted. But you said you paid yeah, the meter yeah. and all that. So that's, that's, that's what's weird. odd to me. Yeah, so that that's what they are. These uh, police state enforcement measures that they get collect all this money and then invest it into uh, crazy computer technology, which you know scans, I guess, everybody's license plates, and so that it, I guess it's a good business. You get cars for free that way. One of the and things I'm that I'm also hearing another. I'm also hearing another thing that I won't be able to even register another car until I pay a ticket. This is just conjecture. This is just hearsay, but. Uh, I'm I'm like I might be in a situation where I might still owe the parking tickets and not have the car anymore either. Yep, that's that's kind of the thing they're trying to do up here in some of the New Hampshire cities is make it so you can't register. But then again, why would you want to register with them anyway? You're already to the point where you understand that this is all just a, a violent criminal gang activity. You're trying to do whatever you can. You're learning that anything you try doesn't seem to have any effect. And that's why I wanted to invite you, and I think you already said you were a free stater, to come up here to New Hampshire where there are people that are willing to engage in right-to-travel kind of activities. You know, buy a junker car and just drive it around and expect it to get stolen. Head over to freestateproject.org and continue to inform us on uh, what you try. Maybe something will work. Thanks for the call. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call. If you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here. And Dale. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away. So if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board for as little as 3 bucks a month and get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's continue taking your calls about whatever you want. Tom is in Charleston listening to, to uh, WTKS. Uh, not WTKS, excuse me. Charleston, West Virginia will be WVTS. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, it's Tom the Neil Con. How are you guys hey, doing? Hey, Tom. What's on your mind tonight? I was just going to say, uh, I wish you guys would pay your parking tickets uh, because, you know, how are they going to pay for my food stamps? Well, the parking tickets uh, actually only go to support the parking bureaucracy, which around here, as my understanding, still runs in the red regardless of how many tickets they give out. So, I was going to say about religion. You know, I, was, I often think about religion and, and uh, different philosophies, and uh, I am often think of the founding. A lot of founding fathers were classified as deists. That's true. But they had a, you know, belief that God made everything and then kind of left us to our own devices, you know, mm -hmm. to come up with our own way of dealing with things. And I, I kind of think that that kind of religious attitude, much like Quakerism, is a very homogenizing. It's a way to keep. I think it's cohesive. You know, it's not too specific, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's not a total washout. I mean, there are people with. I think that everybody has their own different beliefs, and I think that's what makes 
society great is that we all have our own different versions of whatever, and, and I don't like to get into arguments over Baptist versus Methodist. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be kind of boring if everybody believed the exact same thing, wouldn't it? But I, I am going to start a Quaker dating service, though. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get a lot of business from the from the New Hampshire and the Free State Project, apparently. <laughs> a society of Friends with Benefits. I like that. That's cute. Are you serious about that, or is that just a pun? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm in a happy mood tonight. so I thought Very I good. Hey, you might as well be happy. Why not? One more thing I want to yeah. ask you guys. So you were talking about the war on drugs. Um, from a voluntarism or voluntarist point of view, how, how do you deal with somebody who is self-destructive or is uh, in a community where they are uh, maybe doing things that are both self-destructive and also that kind of tends to go out into the community? I mean, what's the attitude behind how do you deal with that? Because I know it, you have the freedom to be self-destructive. I mean, you right. have the freedom to destroy your life if you want, but is it ostracized? I mean, how do you, is you ostracize people? Or well, I think it depends on what we're talking about here. I mean, you're ta- let's, are we talking about, for instance, like a friend? Family member that would be somebody close family to you. Member, a friend that was really abusing something, and I know, you know, I have my own problems with the war on drugs as a conservative. I think That's that really- you, I think that uh, that you approach it from a perspective of love and, and caring about that person. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking about somebody who you're close to, or a friend or family member, uh, to where if they're if they're doing things with their life that you think is dangerous. And you care enough about them to sit down with them and talk to them and say, "Look, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know if this is a real healthy behavior that that you're doing. I understand that you're going to do what you're going to do, but I can tell you that as your friend, it makes me uncomfortable to uh, to be around you when you're engaging in this in this particular behavior. And I want what's best for you, and I want you to to be happy." And uh, and if you know, I'm willing to do whatever I can to help you get through this or get some help or or whatever. Uh, just kind of approach them from that perspective. And if they still push you away after you've shown that that you you know you're concerned about them as a friend, if they still push you away and say, well, you know, I, I want to go and shoot some heroin now, go away. Uh, then at, I think at some point after you've exhausted your attempts to try to help, then I think at some point it would be appropriate for you to just to disconnect yourself from them because if they're bringing you down uh then that's a problem and that's affecting you and i think that the, uh, the one of the things that i've heard recently that i really like and it's a, a rephrase a paraphrase of something i heard a long time ago and that is that the people that uh, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with another way to say that is the people that you associate with or are friends with will bring you up or bring you down so eventually if you're spending too much time on this person who's just kind of sucking uh, your life and your attempts to help away and, and nothing is actually coming of that, then I think it makes sense to just say, look, you know, I, I love you and I care about you, but I can't stand to see this happening to you. So I'm just not going to talk to you uh, until I you get out of this. There are, yeah, and there are stages. I mean, Ian's talking about a certain approach that, that can work and there are different stages. There's all different sorts of things that can be done short of using violence against them. Uh, you know, assuming they haven't actually used violence against someone else, assuming they're just doing things, behavior that you don't approve of for whatever reason or that you think is bad and in and, and, and general. And then there's all there's all kinds of there are all sorts of imp- things that pressure us in one way or another to behave a certain way. And these aren't necessarily bad. You know, I, I seek the approval of certain people and uh, I, I want to interact with certain people. And I know that, you know, at some point I, I, I test the limits of their patience. If I, you know, engage in certain behaviors and and so if I want to um, and, and I think there's like stages of, well, you try to assist someone, give them, get them help, 
get them support in uh, getting over maybe an addiction or something that's causing, for whatever reason, is interfering with their life and their lives around them. You give them support, and then at some point it might reach a stage of tough love where you say, I'm going to withdraw support mm-hmm. until you take responsibility for what you're doing. And, 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 yeah, I think and, that's a whole lot better than, than the way we have it now where we just basically throw people in jail. Oh, yeah. That's the Absolutely. way it works now, and that doesn't solve any problems because if you've ever actually been in jail – uh, as I have for just a few days, and Sam, Sam has for a long time, uh, Sam, our friend Sam from ObscuredTruth.com was in for 58 days, you start to get to know these guys. You, you start to, to, to hear about their stories and how it is that uh, they were busted. One guy was in there was busted for a bull pack. Uh, it was his third, third time he'd been busted, and he had a bull pack's worth of marijuana on him, which is not a lot. Uh, yeah. And he went to jail for something like 30 days. He served out 20, and they let him out. Because uh, up here in New Hampshire, you can get out after two thirds of the sentence. If it's over a 10-day sentence, you can get out uh, after two thirds are done. But still, 20 days in in the slammer. And he wasn't talking about quitting when he got out. He was uh, the whole time he was in there. He was talking about how the first thing he does when he gets out is going to smoke a big joint. You know, I mean, yeah. these guys. I mean, there 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 are people that uh, that work for the the jail. They work out outside the jail and when they're outside the jail they'll you know they'll get their hands on cigarettes and things like that they, they're not quitting even though they're in there and they're maybe going through withdrawals there was a guy who was in there was going through heroin with uh he had just been put in we were in the holding area he was going through heroin withdrawals all weekend but he was ready to as soon as he got out ready to go get and get himself some more uh so just because they're they're clean uh, as far as they're not necessarily getting their hands on the drugs they want inside the facility even though that can be uh, that can be gotten around yeah. uh doesn't mean they're going to stop when they get back out say again yeah, i said it's a waste of tax dollars Sure it is. Do that. Exactly. You're paying eighty here in New Hampshire. It's over eighty dollars a day to keep somebody in a jail cell. That's probably a modest estimate too. I mean, who knows how much it costs for the whole processing and everything? Well, right. I'm know. I'm only talking about keeping them in the jail. There's yeah. the, the courts and the police and all of the other bureaucracy and the prosecutor and all the stuff they had to pay for to put them in the jail and the, uh, to get them to the jail in the first place. The sheriffs, all of that is an un- incalculable uh, cost. But the very least we can look at that jail cost and say this is inc- this is insanity not only are they paying 80 something dollars a day to keep that person in jail they're also sucking uh they're, they're sucking away the opportunity for that person to be making their life better on the outside i mean a lot of these guys have family members they've got uh, a loved one or two or three on the outside that was counting on them to, to bring the, home the real paycheck. damage is incalculable yeah, the real damage crazy. to society is incalculable it's it's just mind-boggling and so when they get out, they're angry at the world, they're angry at the system, they're angry at uh, at, at life, and that there, there's just not a lot of rehab that's going on uh, inside the system. It's it's very inhumane and very barbaric. Any other thoughts, Tom? I agree. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's the, it's, it is, it's always a war, isn't it? A war on drugs, a war on poverty. Terror. Even when they're tr- supposedly trying to help people, it's a war. That's like, all the government like knows how to do. a war on poverty. Well, like, what else does it know how to do? I know. Do? It's, all, it's like if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I mean, in yep. violence for everything. Using violence, even the violent terminology, even when you're trying to do supposedly peaceful things like help poor people. <laughs> how, why is that a war? I mean, like poverty is this vicious thing that's attacking, and so the only way you can attack back is violence. It's such a the rhetoric itself is almost designed to get you in the mode of thinking about using violence to solve every problem. That's right. what it is. Whenever we look to government to solve our problems, we're looking to solve everything with violence. 
the and the idea that uh, that that will result in anything positive in the long run is crazy because violence just begets violence and when you hurt these people that are drug users or drug dealers you're not helping them you're hurting them you're putting them in jail cells you're punishing their families you're punishing their friends you're punishing their business associates all because they chose to alter their state of consciousness in a way that hasn't been approved of by the legislature yeah. it's madness and it's been in here with you. And Dale. And uh, don't forget to visit Dale on his website, anarchyinyourhead.com. And don't forget to visit our website, freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to Child Protective Services. You're busted for possession of marijuana. Possession of marijuana. Hi, I'm Barry Cooper, ex-narcotics officer trained by the DEA. My DVD, Never Get Busted, has recently received world attention. I switched sides and I'm now touring America with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs. Go to Barry's website, nevergetbusted.com, and order your DVD to Never Get Busted. On it, I'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying. You'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrest on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother... You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.